Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. And I'm Michael Kerr, always happy to share my opinion. We review podcasts and look for clues to why some may get big. And some are in the Podcast Hall of Fame. This week, we'll be reviewing Grammar Girl with Minion Fogarty. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. All right, so the Podcast Hall of Fame, who knew? Yeah, what's that? I'm going to have to Google that. Where do you think that would be? Well, I don't know if it's a physical location or just an organization. Uh, seems to come through the podcast movement, or at least that's how I heard about it, the podcast movement conference. And I saw the latest inductees, and I went back and looked, and I saw a Grammar Girl as an inductee into the Podcast Hall of Fame in 2016, and I went, what's up with that? <laughs> and then when I went looking, right, so it's a five-time winner of Best Education Podcast. It's also had a bunch of other awards. So this one goes all the way back to 2006. Yeah, she's been doing this for 16 years, I see on her LinkedIn profile. So this is, she's made a career of this. Good for her. She has, and super successful. And we like successful, right? We want to figure out what is she doing that allows her to be so successful with a podcast that talks about grammar. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Because admittedly, right, a lot of folks would look at this and go, oh, you got to be kidding me, right? Somebody's going to pick on my grammar now. And that's not at all what this is about. Well, clearly, there's a subset of the population that's fascinated by grammar. And, and there's obviously enough people that are interested in this. And, and I think that's the foundation yeah. for it. You know, it, it, it doesn't appeal just to academics. I know, yeah. I'm fascinated by grammar and I am not at any in any way, you know, in the academia field for this. So yeah. well, let's get it right <laughs> out there, right? You are you are a grammar checker. Oh, I, I infuriates <laughs> me when uh, when I see incorrect grammar because when I read the sentences, I can't immediately interpret what they're saying, and I have to read them multiple times. And that's yep. not my fault. That's your fault. You've made me read this thing three times because you don't use the apostrophe properly or you're yep. using the incorrect word. So this is a frustration of mine. Um, so I'm glad that Minion is out there fighting the good fight. Like, I truly appreciate that this podcast exists. Now, do I go to it every day? No, but I've enjoyed this process. So I enjoyed, yep. I listened to her TED Talk, and I listened to a lot of her shorts on YouTube. So she's got... Uh, 20, 30 second minute shorts just mm. on punctuation and proper stuff. Very, that's pretty valuable stuff. And then the way I listened to this on the podcast was again, I, you did this differently. You yep. kind of just went through one by one, whereas I went through and said, Oh, what looks interesting, you know, and started to pick things out that I felt would, would appeal to me. I, I think what she deserves credit for is just the plethora of platforms that she's on, right? So yeah. she hits Twitter. I tweeted her last night. She responded within 
hours, literally. Yeah. So she's she's active on social media. She's on all these platforms, and she's branded herself as the grammar girl. And I love people who have figured out how to promote their expertise. So if you're going to go down a route, right? We talk about generalist. You know, should you be a generalist? Should you yeah. be an expert? I personally believe that you should be an expert, and you should pursue something in this sort of expertise realm and and see if you can build a career around it. And she seems to have been able to do this. Although, don't get me wrong, it's taken a long time, 16 years well, to, get, she, to get where she is. Yeah. She did have pretty early success. I mean, she started earning awards. I think um, it was iTunes back then before Apple Podcast. Uh, she got several awards on iTunes within the first couple of years for the educational content there that she was delivering. And I do think we talk sometimes uh, one of our topics, right, areas is creativity. And I do give her very high marks for her ability to make this topic, I wouldn't call it outright like entertaining, funny, ha-ha, but she keeps it light enough, conversational enough that it does not come across as you know, academic, right, scholarly. It's not or anything like this. I, I, I agree. Yeah. For instance, say you ask me what the weather's going to be like tomorrow, and I reply with, you might want to have an umbrella. Notice that I did not really provide a direct answer. I never said that it was expected to rain. If you look at her career, I see a woman that's sort of had jobs for one or two years and has moved on. These are sort of, whether they're um, marketing jobs or freelance writing jobs, I think she still needed work. Mm -hmm. and. And she did this as a side project until she finally figured out in the last, I want to say, five years that this is her thing. That this now, you know, she she's built up a name. She's written some books. She understands affiliate marketing. She understands how to monetize through speeches and, and other sales courses. Yeah. How to build a career around this thing. And this is now what's elevated her in the last handful of years. Yeah. So that... Yeah, I don't know on the, the timing of exactly when it really started to take off for her in terms of a business, but she has published, I think, 10 books. And this was another interesting aspect for me. We've reviewed a bunch of podcasters, Tim Ferriss, Adam Grant, Megan Dom, who wrote first, then did a podcast. Yeah. Right? The podcast seemed to be really elevating, promoting their books and other activities. Minion went the other way. She started with a podcast and then two years later published a book by the same name as the podcast, which, by the way, the full name of the podcast is Grammar Girl, Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. So Quick and Dirty Tips is her brand, right? This is her right, network Right, it's like the company. Now. Yeah, it's a company. And, so, and this is an umbrella organization under which there are many more podcasts where she's found similar people who are experts, yep. whether it's in nutrition or fitness or finance, and they've been able to sort of um, connect. I assume that Minion yeah. was the first. I assume she's done this, that, that she's figured out, okay, yeah. I'll put this umbrella sort of you know quick and dirty tips thing, and I'll find all these people that I know that are experts, yeah. and we'll we'll all take advantage of, uh, of what I've built here. And she obviously gets a cut. So, and we've seen this with, with other podcasters. This is, yeah. this is quite a common thing. So it's it's good that she's figured kind of out spread the wealth once yeah, you figure it out, and it benefits her as well. Now, I also want to point out you talked about this kind of last few years, but 
you know, over the years, she's also been on CNN. She's been on the Oprah Winfrey show. She's had some significant recognition throughout this process, going all the way back to the early years. Uh, I don't remember what year she was. Do you know why she was on Oprah? I assume it was about the grammar girl. The show was called Oprah and Gail's, I think, Favorite Things or something like that. Okay. And somebody wrote in and said, shouldn't it be Oprah's and Gail's? And so they brought on Minion to to show that you only take the possessive of the second name and not the first, which right. is, I think, so they decided that they would bring on somebody um, to, correct to, explain. This, to correct this particular okay. thing. Yeah. Uh, so, well, that's interesting. I hadn't picked up on that detail of her appearance there, and that's how she ended up on the Oprah show. But you had asked me or commented earlier about you know, wondering why she doesn't put her name more out front. And it occurred to me as I got thinking about it here, and even as we were just starting to to roll here in our review, is that she has branded around Grammar Girl. Correct. So not her name. She refers to herself as Grammar Girl and across social media. And so she's kind of separated her personal life from this persona, if you will, of Grammar Girl. And and I think that's okay. It's kind of the Batman... (laughs) thing, if you will, of uh, not a secret identity, but you know, it's not about her. And so she's created this characterization, I think, um, she's calling Grammar Girl. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I do see that. Now, she, she does talk a lot about her name. Her name is Minion, so it's, a, yeah. it's quite a unique name. I feel that at some point, if you want to promote your book and you want to promote yourself as a speaker... That making sure people know who you are and that your name gets out there, I think is more valuable, particularly when your name is Minion or, or Mignon, sorry, yeah. as, as, as she prefers it, not to be confused with the Despicable Me character um, <laughs> movie, which she despises. So She despises the Despicable Me. So, no so, well, so the question was about using her name versus Grammar Girl. So the question would be, so she gets invited. You were talking about, you know, you want to promote yourself as a speaker and and, and coming to do these things. Do they introduce her as Grammar Girl, Minion Fogarty, or do they just introduce her as Minion Fogarty? My guess is they introduce her as, our guest today is Grammar Girl, Minion Fogarty. I would right? say I would say you're right. This is this is an this is an interesting topic. Is, yeah. is do you want to be known as your name or do you want to be known as this this thing? Especially when this thing is relatively generic. So the word you know the word grammar and the word girl. If you search for it, obviously in YouTube, you would probably get a hit on grammar girl. But you know individually, it's hard to know. I feel eventually you you want to promote your name. So that people know what it is and they yeah. can find you on various social media. But again, uh, across social media. And I will play her intro because she starts with. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. And you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Grammar Girl here. I am Minion Fogarty. Right. Yeah. So she, she gives first Grammar Girl as her handle. Yeah. So uh, she wants to be known as, as Grammar Girl, but then uses her name as well. I think the most fascinating thing about the evolution of this podcast is the fact that the audience is so engaged and so interested and so fascinated that, that it's basically taken over the podcast. So 
my understanding is that early on, she was the legs behind this. She would do the research. She obviously had, I guess, contacts that she would be able to uh, to access. She obviously has some academic connections. She um, she is an English grammar or at least an English major. And then she went to um, Stanford and she she took a, a science degree. So I, I think she was originally, I think her dream, I don't know if it was a dream, but at least her intention was that she would combine her English knowledge with science and that she would be a technical writer. And I think she did that for a while. Yeah. But again, it, it looks like it didn't really fit her. And she stumbled into this thing that, that eventually turned into her life. But the podcast itself has evolved to where a lot of the episodes are written by other people. That segment was written by Michaela Dunn, a Wyoming-based editor who specializes in literary fiction, historical fiction, and young adult and middle grade fiction. She's also an editor with Yard Time Publishing. So they're sent in word for word, and she reads them, and that is the podcast. And, well, I don't know that those are sent in. I get the feeling that these are like research that she does and she finds somebody who has written a piece that fits her theme. This is her topic. It's interesting. And so she shares it. I don't think this is stuff that anybody else has submitted to her show. Oh, I, I think, think they submit it. Well, the, I think she's, I think she's got a legion of fans who write, who, and they now know that they can write in and contribute. Yeah. I, I think so, this so that's is, interesting. So I did have a, a different interpretation of that. I got the feeling more this was either cooperatively or solicited, um, you're saying that she found them or she's following, right, a bunch of other folks around these the, you know, language and the use of language. And as she comes across interesting articles, maybe she reaches out and says, oh, can I use this on my show? I want to do a segment. And so obviously she gets permission and then she cites them both in the episode notes and in the recorded you know, version. Well, we're going to have to ask uh, Minion what she does because I think yeah. I, I think it's I think they are directly contributed by her her listenership. Yeah. Now yeah. there are a lot of contributions from her listeners, and she uh, so she has a phone number published that you can you know, leave a voicemail on, right? And you can ask questions, and she does that, and she plays their question. You hear their voice giving the question. And then she addresses it, um, or a guest. Sometimes uh, she does this with her guests also, uh, when she does have guests on the show, and they take listener questions and answer them. Let's see. The Grackle King wants to know, this is just random, what is your favorite thing about bees? But she also does this interactive thing with her audience Familex, this is how you pronounce that. So the Familex piece is language that's unique to your family. So words or phrases that have kind of become common and understood within your family group that other people wouldn't necessarily use or know. And so I think this is really fun part of the show. Like many two-year-olds, my now 17-year-old daughter liked to eat goldfish crackers as a snack. Not remembering the name of the snack, she asked for cookie fish. It only took a minute to figure out what she was asking for, and her name for the treat 
was so charming that it stuck. We still call the delicious yellow crackers cookie fish. Clearly, her audience loves this because she gets enough of them that she can do one in every episode, which is a weekly show. But still, she's got like 900 episodes now, so she has maybe 900 examples of these uh, kind of family cute yeah, phrases. Yeah, I, I can see how this works, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and just to share, we do have one in our family. So my son, when he was young, we lived, well, near Disney World. Both my wife and I were working at Disney at the time. And as we were traveling around in the evening, you would see these spotlights in the sky. And my son was young and trying to explain to him what these things were, these light beams shining up into the clouds. And we called them Mickey lights because they were from the Disney property. And it stuck. And we always referred to them as Mickey lights whenever we saw them. And it wasn't until years later when my son realized that we were the only ones who called them Mickey lights. So that's an example of this kind of words or phrases that a family adopts for something. And she's got hundreds of them. But it's fun. Yeah, it I, is I enjoy fun. That, I agree. that segment of the thing. So um, so she's done some creative things. And again, she's kept it very kind of human and common. She she often refers to popular culture stuff. So movies and TV shows and how different phrases evolve and the languages used in different ways, how words evolve and how grammar evolves over time. I love you know, a lot of the historical stuff where she talks about word origins and where they came from and how confusing it can be. And um, yeah, there was just some fascinating stuff around the use of language. And I'll admit, I am not scholarly academic in this area. I have prided myself over my lifetime of my ability to communicate and write clearly with proper grammar for the most part. But I listened to her and I still go, wow, there's so much I don't know about my own language. And and I often laugh, right? People will ask me, you, know, you live in Hong Kong, do you speak Chinese? And I say, no, I barely <laughs> speak right. English. It is a hard podcast to listen to at times. So it, it is fast. So she does, particularly when she's reading other people's. I don't know if she could, you know, you certainly can't listen to this at 1.5 speed. I mean, you wouldn't interpret it. And the things that I watched on YouTube or even her TED Talk, I feel I enjoyed them more. So I think what the podcast does is it adds your family things or the the feedback from the, you know, from, from listeners. But the YouTube videos as well as the, as the TED Talk, when she actually puts the word up on the screen and you can see it and she can break it down. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Like that really added a lot visual of value. Aid. The visual aids are really beneficial in this type of communication. So I, it would be interesting to see whether she could do something more like what Malcolm Gladwell does, where she uses mixed kind of things to get the point across. So a little bit of interview with people, a little bit of commentary. You know, can you make a story out of this to make it more interesting? Yeah. Well, there's another. You know, idea too, I guess, creatively is you could also just have, instead of referring to somebody else's use, embed the sound of somebody right. else saying it. So she did a segment on accent that she called it accent hallucinations. Again, I was fascinated with this one and uh, it, it was not her content. It was something 
again, she read from somebody else's work and cited them. But it was fascinating around, and you know, we live in Hong Kong and you get all these different accents here and stuff. But the hallucination effect was that I see somebody's face and I anticipate an accent. And so even if they don't have an accent, my mind hears an accent anyway. Really? And, and so they've done these surveys and studies of people where they literally like showed them a picture of a Southeast Asian face yeah. and then played audio that was like American English uh-huh. and then asked them, you know, how oh, heavy well. was the accent and they graded it as having an <laughs> accent. So accent hallucination. But this kind of thing, these kind of stories fascinate me as part of what she's been able to do with this podcast. And I subscribed. I listened to a few episodes and I, I'm going to follow this you. one, which is really unusual for me, right? We listen to so many podcasts as we prepare for this and try to figure out which ones we should review. And as you pointed out, you kind of um, cherry picked episodes to listen to. I did not. I hit the most recent one and then just let it keep playing. I listened to a total of probably 10 in a row and I actually thought it was better because I didn't know what was coming next. I just kind of heard stuff. And sometimes I feel like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So listening to the stuff without picking it helped me actually hear some content that I wouldn't have thought was that interesting. And then I listened to it and went, oh, I no idea, you know, words were formed this way or came from, you know, that. Well, you make a valid point because as I start to read these, you know, the difference between magic and magic with a K, again, so it doesn't resonate with me. So I I skip over it. Randall Monroe of XKCD. uh, I don't know what that means. So that that didn't make my list. Whereas the one that I that I the first one that I listened to was the one where she she went through words where you pronounce the ed quite obviously with uh, you know words like jagged or wicked or beloved. I, I yeah, that was a good episode. Obviously, too. coming up with titles is very 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 difficult. I'll give you a little bit of background on the the Twitter conversation I had with Mignon just the other day. So she said one thing I've noticed during my many years on the periphery of the entrepreneurial world world is that. Big success often comes from being willing to be unethical, not from being unusually smart. I see it in a small way in my own work. I guarantee I'd make more money if I went full prescriptivist. I could be on radio and TV every day talking about the decline of language. There's a huge audience for that, but I don't believe in those things and will never do it. So I'm saying, could you really get these gigs like every day? If you, yeah. if you just went on CNN and said, oh, the, the language is in decline. And she said, but she would sell more books. People would sign up, sign up for her, for her courses. Yeah. People would listen to her podcast. I appreciate this. So she's yeah. got a bit of a conscience. She's not going to just rail against the language and say that it's declining. Yeah. Min- you know, Minion's thing, if you listen to her TED talk, is that we vote every day um, on how language will be used and that's what evolves, um, and that's how we got here yeah. today. And I think that's her message. So she's fascinated by the evolution of language, not by the rules of language. Right. Um, and I think that's what's made her successful. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I I really like what she's doing here, and I like the way she's doing it. I do love that 
you know, this isn't about telling people they're doing it wrong. Right. It's just about giving them more information about how how it came about that we use words in this way. She clearly enjoys all the little subtle, strange things that happen with the English language. And, you know, and she laughs at times about how, you know, this example just breaks the rule. Yeah. And, but people understand it. People use it that way. It doesn't really make sense why it evolved that way, but it did. And it's okay. People do it. We come across grammar every day. It's, it's so fundamental to how we live our lives today with social media. Um, it just, this, you know, I think she's just found the time. She's just, you know, yeah. her time has come. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. This is a, it's a really good topic. And, but to be able to pull it off, even, you know, we talked about this a bit with revisionist history as well, right? And the ability to tell a story, to present something in a way that engages people who um, may otherwise be, you know, uninterested in the topics, right? Obviously, Malcolm Gladwell does a tremendous job of being able to to tell his stories and and make things interesting that you didn't realize were interesting. And I think she has found a way to do this also, that her discussions of grammar and language, and it's not just writing, although this, the podcast is titled, you know, For Better Writing, there's a lot of kind of use of conversational language and spoken language references and how they differ sometimes between what you would write and what you would say and why. You know, so there's a lot of discussion around the general use of it. You also see, like, one of his guests talked about, you know, writing uh, not just in the context of books, but in the context of screenplays and video games and, and again, how the use of language and your choice of words affects the mood and the scene you're trying to set. And, you know, so there was some really interesting components of, of where she goes with why grammar matters, right? Because you're trying to communicate, right? That's what you're doing is you're trying to pick the right words to share what you want to share and what you want somebody to feel, what you want them to understand. And if you get the words right, as opposed to getting them wrong, and, and this goes to your point earlier, you hate it when somebody kind of screws up the grammar because now you've got to reread the sentence two or three times, try and figure out what do they mean to say, because I'm confused by their choice of words, right? And so I think this is what she's been sharing with the world now for 16 years or whatever, is, you know, here's how you communicate better. It's not about right or wrong. It's you want to have what you say be interpreted the way you meant it to be interpreted. So she's giving you tools to do that. Yeah, I think the language is is it in decline? No, I I've, I've, I now understand that it's uh, it's an evol it's an evolution. Well, I'm glad she's out there. I, she's doing God's work. I've said that to the guy that does the uh, the typos for the New York Times Twitter account as well. Uh, yeah, well, I hope you engage with us too and uh, listen to this episode and give us some feedback on. I think just slowing down a little bit is the only advice I have for her because I think she's doing a great job and i think they can the stories can be made really fascinated by mixing media in so yeah. different interviews with people short clips i like the the, the format consistency those are yeah those she are has the things. same sound effect she used for transitions yeah. consistently so you, you recognize that when you hear it that she's changing segments the music at the beginning and the end it's short but it's you recognize it it's consistent so 
yeah, she does a good use of those things as well. But I agree, she could mix more other voices, sounds, clips of things into her episodes. Might break it up just a little bit, be a little more fun. Yeah. So, um, or music, right? If she refers to something musical, play a few bars of it, right? And I know there's licensing and, and stuff you got to be concerned with there, but I'm sure she could pull it off. All right. Well, that is a wrap of our review of Grammar Girl with Minion Fogarty. You've been listening to No Harm in Asking with Michael Kerr and Eric Byron. Thanks for listening. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration.